first of all, I don't know if I told you guys, I went, I just, Drew and I came back last night um, quite late, but I was a camp speaker at a Bible camp all week up in northern Minnesota, so we were like <laughs> up close to Bemidji, or north of Bemidji. Um, it was a camp that I grew up at going to when I was a high schooler. I worked there. I was a camper there, worked there in college. It was very formational for me and my faith, and um, it was really special because you know when you have like those extra mothers and fathers around you that helped raise you? Those people are still there. So it was really awesome. Um, it was a hard week. I will tell you that in the last three weeks, both of our dogs have died. And our, yeah, so thank you, Joe. I thank you for the empathy. Um, so Dan and Margaret had to had to bear that one at home this past week while Andrew and I were at camp and I don't know, this was, our, our dog Winifred, she was 15 and she had kidney failure and she just took a dive bomb this past week. And then our 17-year-old our Westie died three weeks ago and I don't know if I told you guys that, but it's been like kind of heartbreaking at our house yeah. lately. <laughs> um, Winifred was, I always said if any dog could be a Christian, she was because <laughs> she like she loved Jesus when um, she was like littler I would take her to nursing home visits and I would get permission obviously from the nursing home but she was she was a Bichon and Bichons their only job is to love you that's all they care about I don't know if I if you've ever seen a Bichon but they're like little white fluffy dogs and her mission was to love you the minute you came home she would follow you and she would just wait until you would sit and then she was happy so she would just follow you, follow, follow you, and then as soon as you sit, boom, there, there was a spot right in the couch. Dan could never sit close enough to the edge because she had to have her spot right there and she would sandwich herself in. Um, it's really interesting because as we talk about this verse in John, this section of verses, I kept thinking about like our dog, how she just wanted people to sit and be with her. And that was her, that was like when she was happy as if someone was sitting and just being with her. And I keep thinking about how Jesus says over and over and over, remain in me. If you, if you catch this phrase, and I, I did a lot of study into like the Greek text this week because um, this word remain shows up, but then it shows up in, in it's called mene, but it's, um, it's used in remain, abide, stay. And so it's this, it's this description of just staying put and I kept thinking about how I, I my dog taught me a lot because all she wanted to do was just stay close to you and that is really what Jesus wants from us he wants us to just stay close to him um, about a month ago I know I had emailed a bunch of you guys um, and asked you to pray for our friends because we found out that one of our dear dear friends just dropped out of a heart attack Saturday or the night before church and I didn't find out until Sunday, and his funeral was two weeks ago, and um, they preached from John 15, so I, I was telling Jamie, I'm like, I think that God is getting our attention as we're planning this um, series, because I forgot that I have this in my kitchen, I am the vine and you are the branches, remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit, apart from me you can do nothing, this is what I look at every day, and I guess I take that for granted, but Jesus is just calling us to a very simple thing when we walk with him, is just to stay close to him and be with him. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. <clears throat> I had something, some really cool things happen at camp 
that I wanted to just tell you about. And it, it just reminds me, as we remain close to Jesus and we listen to the Holy Spirit, and if we're paying attention, God does some really awesome things. Um, one of the nights in chapel, so it was junior high kids, um, the worship team was playing, and I just had this like kind of heaviness come over me. And I just sat there and... And one of the songs, it was actually a song that Pastor Jamie has had us sing a bunch of times. It's um, that Maverick City one, Great is Your Faithfulness. I think that's, the, is that the name of it, Jamie? Great? Oh, Promises, called Promises. But the chorus is, Great is Your Faithfulness. And as the, the students were singing this, I just had this realization kind of sweep over me, and I felt like I needed to speak to it when I got up there. And it was just, Great is Your Faithfulness, over and over. And, and I thought, if these students who have, I know young people have really struggled in their mental health and their emotional health through COVID the last couple of years. And I had this moment of just feeling the heaviness of some of the students and the reality that many of them were struggling with worthlessness, with despair, with probably suicidal thoughts. And I was like, Lord, are you sure I should like just bring this up? And, and it was a, a very confirming yes within. So as I started my talk to them. I just said, you guys, I just want to name this song. And, and as you follow Jesus, as you live your life with God, you get to see how awesome his faithfulness is. And if you're struggling with not wanting to live or knowing if your life matters or if your life is worth anything, you won't get to see how good and awesome God is in his faithfulness to you. Because as you, as you live your life and you look back, you see where he's been at work in your life. And you get to see how faithful he has been. And I just started naming to them, like, you guys, when I was your age, my home was chaos. It was cray-cray. But I said, I had hope from God that it was going to get better as I followed him and I stayed close to him. And I can look back now at age 47 and say, yes, I can see so many of the people that are still here that were part of my story then. And I can see how he's been with me. I can see how God has been faithful through scary times and certain times times with, you know, we, I didn't know what was going on. And I said, if you stay close to Jesus, you are going to live a life where you look back and you get to see how he has been at work in your story and how faithful he is. And what I didn't know until the next day was one of the other counselors told me, he said, Carrie, during that song, I had that same feeling and I started praying and I asked God to ask, I asked God to have you speak to that in some way. And he said, and then you got up immediately, and he did. He said, I have never had a prayer answered that fast in my whole life. But then it got better because then I found out from the other counselor that one of their cabin, their kids in their cabin, who had been, who had just, you know, started out the week saying, no, I don't really want Jesus because there's this thing, sin, and I'm not really sure about sin, and I kind of like sin. And during that chapel time, that boy gave his life to Jesus and asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior and surrendered his life to Christ. And so it was that moment of, as I listened to the Spirit, as I was obedient to say something, that I was like, I don't know if I should say this to these kids. But it was a child that was struggling with worthlessness, with doubt, with feelings of suicidality and despair. And because someone prayed, God prompted me, I listened, I spoke, a child responded. So just think about in your daily life, whatever you are doing as you remain close to Jesus and you listen to him and you remain in him and obey him, what he does, and you do bear fruit. Um, so I just want to encourage you with that. I also got to play plunger ball. I feel like, 
I feel like in a couple weeks I'm going to introduce this to New City. All we need is a good, clean toilet plunger, duct tape, and a volleyball. It's, it's, better, it's better than kickball, I felt like. It was, it was good. Anyway, we'll play, we'll play plunger ball. Um, so this morning we continue in this section, this passage of John on growth, and we're talking about um, how we grow through God's word. So as we spend time in God's word, may his word form us and shape us and challenge us. We grow in relationships. We don't grow in isolation. If you've ever seen like a garden, um, I, it's really interesting. I, I planted two strawberry plants last year. Those of you that are gardeners or, or love dirt, you're going to appreciate this. There's that little market over by the Shake Shack by Southdale, you know? I love the Shake Shack. I will never turn down a gift card from them, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> I love the Shake Shack. Or if you guys want to go there sometime, let's go. Anyway, by the Shake Shack, there is a market there. It's called the Untied, and I got the best plants there last summer. I got two strawberry plants, and... The cool thing about strawberry plants, I forget, is they jump. They jump and plant. So they have these, like, I don't know what they call them, jumpers? Or there's a, what are they called? Runners. Runners. They're called runners. Sorry, thank you. You helped me. You know, I think that's what they're, I think they're called runners. But they do is they jump ahead. And so they don't, they don't just grow in isolation. They grow out. And so you think of, like, us as people, we grow through being together. We, we learned very painfully during COVID that we don't do well being by ourselves. As, as introverted as people, some people are, and I'm not an introvert, so I can't speak to that. So introverts, I'm sorry, but we need relationships. We need to grow together. Um, we're going to be talking about just that outward living and how that shows up in obedience as we live our life together with Christ. How God also, the more we live with him, the more that we um, are not comfortable with sin that we, if we are growing in Christ, that life with him is what defines us and forms us and shapes us. And then that shows up in, in how we worship, which is why you guys are here today. We're here to worship together. So just to recap what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks here, because last week we had Tim here, and that's really exciting, by the way. Ah, very excited. Um, but we are talking about how we are growing, which is an active thing happening in the here and now. We can look back on how we have been growing. It's kind of wonderful that we have children around us because we can see how they are growing. Like Mr. Finn, the other day I noticed he is getting taller. He's like from when I first met him last year to this year, he's like looking me in the eyes. Dylan, Dylan's hair is growing. I got to see this amazing curly hair last week. You know, we get to see our children flourish and grow. Um, I I love just how we get to see them maturing and developing. And then we look for growth. We know that growth is also future-oriented. So we have this here and now and future-oriented um, ideas of grow and growing and growth. And there's differences, and it's important because I think we have to orient to how are we growing now in the here and now, and how are we also looking forward to growth. And that is my prayer for New City, is that you think about as you grow together individually and with Christ, and then how do you want to look forward to future growth and kingdom impact. So the metaphors, again, just to recap, in this passage, we started out, I'm just going to recap from the front of John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and so there's a picture of a true vine up there, Um, and he said, my father is the gardener. It's also in 
in another translation, the vine dresser. And the vine dresser is the one who shapes and prunes and cares for the tree. It says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And that's such a painful metaphor because we, we, even like dead trees, we're like, oh, that branch is still there, but that branch is not producing fruit. And the things that are in our life that are not Christ-like and not, not are, are helpful to others, we have to acknowledge that God is going to not let those parts stay there. It says, but while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And that is that um, discipleship piece that is really important. As you grow, God is going to refine and prune those areas of your life that he knows can be even better for him and for others. He says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken. I did some research on that one, and and that clean is that lifting up. So one thing, um, when I was doing, I love reading and and understanding more about this, Um, there was a story that Bruce Wilkinson told of this old, he called him a a sun-browned vineyard owner. We'll call him a vineyard owner. And he came to one of Bruce Wilkinson's conferences, and Bruce Wilkinson wrote Secrets of the Vine. He was also the author of The Prayer of Jabez, if you remember any of, of that a long time ago. Um, but he said this man who owned a vineyard came and explained to him what this part means. And he said that when vines are growing, sometimes there'll be vines that will go, and they'll go down into the ground in the dirt. And so when the, when the vineyard owners come, they will lift those parts up and tie them back along the treadless so they can grow. Otherwise, as they get dirty and they get soiled and they get wet and damp, they won't grow and they won't be flourishing. And so think about how Jesus, as he was walking with these people and he was talking to them, his disciples, he says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken. So as they were growing in Christ, he was lifting them up. He was guiding them, helping them, attaching them to each other. And then he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Just remember that. That's why we need each other. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So this word remain, remain, remain keeps coming up. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So we are the branches. We cannot, Jesus said, you cannot bear fruit by itself. This is such a beautiful picture too of a branch. I don't know if you've got that one, Jamie. Um, It just shows how the branches need to spread out and they do not remain isolated together. And so as we think of future-related growth, we also want to be like that. We want to keep spreading out. We want to keep connecting. We want to keep inviting in and including. And so as we bear fruit, we are also going to grow. You know, as I said to the children, as you remain with Jesus and spend time with him, your life is going to look more and more like Jesus and less and less like whoever you are. That is my, my, my friend Joe that died at his funeral. This apparently was the passage of scripture that he was in all the time. It was the most worn in his Bible. And, and the thing that I loved about Joe's funeral was that it wasn't just about like what a great guy Joe was, what a great pharmacist he was, what a great dad he was. It was about every single person that talked about Joe, talked about how much Joe, as he grew, looked more and more like Jesus 
and less and less like Joe. And it was evident. It was the, the whole funeral was pointed to Jesus being glorified because of how Joe lived his life and how he showed up in small ways, countless ways to a million people. It was really, really awesome. And so you think about as we bear fruit, we want to grow in being loved and known by Christ and also grow outwardly in, in how we, we look to this world. Um, and you guys, the church can do a much better job in that, very much so, in how we look and how we behave and how we act. So these three words that are three different versions of the same Greek word, remain, abide, and stay, show up in this passage. And, and if you have, you know, want to have fun and just keep counting of remain in me, um, it, it shows up also abide in me or stay in me. Remain, abide, and stay. Um, and I, you know, I keep thinking about something. This, these words are hard. You guys, I am an extrovert. I am very active. I probably have undiagnosed attention hyperactivity disorder. I probably really do. So being still, the fact that I sit for eight hours a day as a therapist is like difficult at times. That's why actually when I'm at work, I sit on a, bo- a ball. I have a bouncy ball. <laughs> So there's times during a session where I'm just like rolling and I'm sure that some of my patients are like, what is wrong with her? But I, I, I have a hard time sitting. So I don't know if any of you are like this where it's harder to sit. Maybe some of you enjoy sitting. I don't know. No, no. Okay, good for you. I've, I've noticed that Andrew can sit for long periods of time if he's playing video games. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real sucker. Um, that'll just get you in and you'll stay put. Um, I know like I was reading this um, study about it was actually about social media addiction, and one person was just talking about how they found themselves on, went onto Facebook, and two hours later they looked up and what had they done? So sometimes it's very easy for us to remain. We can get sucked into something, and time goes by really quickly. I think I think for people that are more active, though, it is very hard to remain, to remain, abide, and stay. Um, I remember going on a solitude retreat one time, and it was so hard. Because I, number one, had to be quiet. That was so hard. I mean, you can only talk to yourself for so long. And, <laughs> and it was supposed to be a contemplative retreat. And I just remember, like, God really challenged me in that, of just being quiet, being close with him, listening to him. And so I, I think that it's really important that we, you know, even to this point of when we remain we stay, we abide in Jesus. The result is bearing much fruit. And, we, and I think often in our culture especially, we look at bearing fruit or being productive is by busyness, by hurry, hurriedness. So I wanted to read you something that John Ortberg was quoted as. John Ortberg was a, um, uh, he's a pastor, Menlo Presbyterian. And first of all, he, um, John Ortberg said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Hurry can keep us from living well. As Carl Jung wrote, who is a psychoanalyst, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Um, And this is another person quoting him, but he said, um, one of the primary obstacles to us getting in, in deeper touch with our souls is the hurried and harried pace of life today. John Ortberg writes about this in his wonderful book, The Me I Want to Be. Ortberg shares that after taking a lead position at one of the largest churches in the country, he recognized that he needed to find ways to maintain spiritual balance in the faster pace of the ministry in which he was engaged. 
So he reached out to a spiritual mentor. By the way, Pastor Jamie was the one that reminded me of this. Um, spiritual mentor, Dallas Willard, for advice. Dallas Willard's a famous dude, theologian. He's written a lot of good books. And Ortberg described his new church setting to Willard, the pace of his work, and the new rhythms of his family life in Chicago. And by the way, he was at Willow Creek, which is a mega church in the Chicagoland area. Orberg writes, I asked my wise friend, the most spiritual man I've ever known, what do I knew, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy, to be close to God, and to be effective as a family man and a pastor? A long pause ensued before Willard finally replied, You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That's what Pastor Jamie reminded me of. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ortberg eventually came to realize that his mentor was speaking about one of the most ancient of spiritual truths and practices. He was talking about Sabbath, the need for us all to simply stop at regular intervals in our lives so that we can breathe in, breathe out, we can remember who we truly are. As Ortberg writes, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Hurry can keep us from living well, as I just quoted to you. Hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. We live in a driven society, driven to succeed, driven to achieve, driven to keep busy. You can even hear it in the way we speak to one another in day life. What have you been up to? I know, like, I'll, I'll tell you guys, what's the latest and greatest? What happened this week? What did you do today? What did you get accomplished? I think achieve, achievement and accomplishment is a huge thing. Like, we just feel like we're slugs if we don't get anything done during the day. And the problem is constant activity does not draw us near to God. That's what caught me. Constant activity will not draw me anywhere near to God, and it can even get in the way of us knowing our true selves, and Jesus knew that. That was why he routinely withdrew from crowds and, and the activity of his ministry, as important as it was. Jesus didn't wait until everything was checked off his to-do list before taking a break. And for those of us that are task-oriented people or we really like to be accomplished or we feel like we're, you know, I think we're proving our worth, that's hard for us. He taught his disciples to do the same. Come away to a deserted place by yourselves and rest a while. What Jesus was teaching them to do and what Dallas Willard was recommending to John Ortberg was to slow down, remember Sabbath. And Sabbath is not as much about going to Sundays. That could also be like a box checker. Like, yep, okay, I did that. I accomplished going to church. We're, whew, good. Got that done out of this week. No, it's something about intentionally creating space in our lives so that we can experience God's abundant grace. And that's what I keep getting out of this passage more and more and more is that remain being with Jesus. And I don't know if there's anybody in your life where you're just like, I love to just be with them. I felt like this, this past week when I was with my friend, Vani. Vani was, um, she's the, her and her husband are the directors of the camp. Vani was the director of the camp when I was a camper there like 25 years ago, 30 years ago almost. And she's still there and, and she was cooking in the kitchen. And I just, I just had this moment like, I just like being with her. She listens well, she's comforting, she's wise. And I, and I, know, I know why I like that about Vani, because Vani spends a lot of time with Jesus. She's patient, she has the best sense of humor, she sees the good in everybody and everything. And I, I draw, I, I'm drawn to that, but I keep thinking, that is Jesus in Vani. And so when you think about this, as we remain, stay, and abide in Jesus, the result is that we bear fruit. So as you think about this this week. Um, when you think of that, those words, remain, stay, abide, what does it look like or feel like for you when I ask you that, to be like 
to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ, to stay in Christ. What does that look like for you if you think about like your week? What does that feel like? Does that give you some stress or some uncertainty or, or some comfort or like, oh my goodness, could I just carve out time and be with the Lord? I think about my porch. That's like, that's like the place where I feel like I have that, that wonderful time with God and so often I'm too busy to even go sit out there and be with him. So for you this week, you know, just to think about what does it look like or feel like or, or what would that be like for you if you carved out time that you just said, I'm going to remain, abide, and just rest with God right now. So here are the three outcomes that result when we do this. When we just maybe sit with God, we listen for him. First of all, effectual prayer. And I got to see this happen this week at camp as I let myself rest, as I let myself be attentive to the Holy Spirit, as I saw prayer answered very quickly in some amazing ways. The glorification of the Father through our fruitfulness and character and service. It, Jesus says this, you, apart in me you will bear much fruit, apart from me you can do nothing. And in verse 8 it says, this is, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, the fruit isn't for us, it's for God. Because everything that we do as we connect with him, be with him, it points back to him. And people get to see how good God is because of what he is doing in our lives. Just think of that. As God fills you up and it pours out, or it bears fruit, or we become like we're growing potatoes out of our ears, or whatever that is, God is the one who gets the glory, and people see him and will come to him. And the third one is just the fullness of joy flowing from Christ as your soul is united with him. As you spend time with Jesus, he fills you up with joy. And I love that. So, um, quote Carlisle, old writer, is, it is not what we have nor even what we do, but what we are that gives us our kingdom. So just think, thinking as you are children of God, belonging to him, united by him, with him, that is where we get our kingdom identity and, and God is working. Um, I want to be reminding you, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should, should abide Thinking about like everything you're doing in this life is something that you are doing is going to outlast you. And so as you bear fruit in whatever ways you're bearing fruit, just think about that in your daily work, in your, in your relationships with your children, um, your relationships with your neighbors, maybe even your gardening, who, whatever it is, what is going to outlast you and what is that going to be in your, in your legacy as a Christ follower? Um, I want to encourage you with a couple of things as we conclude today. You are the body of Christ you are his feet that must run from him as you spend time with him. So first of all, like as you train and you prepare and you just spend time with Jesus, when you go out into your daily life, you are going to be his feet that must run for him. You are going to be his hands that must carry for him. Think about the people in your life that you are carrying right now. And you are going to be his body through which his blessed will gets done. So here's kind of a challenge for you this week. Um, Jamie, can you go to the last slide, please? As I've, I've talked to you about that hurried sickness and, and that problem that we have, first of all, it says, to bear fruit, though, we first must abide and remain with Jesus. And so 
I, I just want you to talk about this too next week or maybe, maybe we can, um, I don't know, I just want to find out more about like how will you choose to abide, to remain, to intentionally spend time with the Lord this week and what will be the, um, the, the fruit-bearing part of that. Um, something really, I just want to share a quick story that happened this past week. Um, I had a student come up and ask for prayer at the end of chapel and I caught her name and prayed for her. Well, yesterday, um, you guys, I just don't believe in coincidences because there's too many crazy things that happen every week that I'm just like, you can't make that up. So Andrew and I left camp. We stopped at Culver's. Culver's is my favorite place. I have a song for it. C is for Culver's. That's good enough for me. Yum, yum. I, st- I stole the C is for cookie song. Anyway, so we stopped at Culver's. There was, an, there was a, um, a Corvette show that was right next to the Culver's restaurant. And we didn't plan it, but Andrew loves cars. And I was like, Andrew, should we go to that Corvette show? He's like, yes. So Andrew and I are like dilly-dallying around the Corvette show in Bemidji. Um, we even got to like sit in a Corvette. And he's like, can you, he asked the guy, can you take a picture? Because it looks like I'm driving my mom around. So <laughs> sitting in there. So we just, we just dilly-dallied. And, and then we get to my car, and we're about to leave. And I'm like, ah, dang it. Culver's didn't give me my french fries. So I'm like, I love french fries. This is worth it. I go, I, so I pull back in, go into Culver's to get my french fries, and there's a couple kids from camp. I'm like, oh, and it was one of the girls I prayed for the night before. And I'm like, hey, you guys. I saw my camp shirt, and they're like, oh. And, um, and then they had their two sisters with them. And then I hear this voice behind. Who is that? And I'm like, I know that voice. I turn around. It is my friend Janet that I have not seen in like 16, 17 years. It's their mom. And she was from Duluth. She used to be a youth pastor in the Covenant Church. We had just lost touch. But the crazier thing was Janet had married one of my husband's childhood friends. And then Dan and him had lost touch because Dan moved. And, and the reason we all connected was because Janet and I both worked in Covenant Churches. We had gone to some retreats together. She lived in Duluth. We lived here in the Twin Cities. But then found out, oh, you're married to Dan's childhood friend. So all this is like the backstory. So we're at Culver's. Her daughter is the one I'd prayed for the night before. And I'm like, this is so crazy because I didn't know that they had five kids or anything. I knew they had one kid, but that was a long time ago. So in the, I get in the car and I'm like, I call Dan. I go, Dan, this is so weird. You're never going to guess who I ran into, but you're going to guess whose kids were at the camp. And it just got weird. And he goes, Carrie, this is really weird because I was looking at the picture board at the cabin and I was looking at a picture of me and it was their dad. And I was just wondering whatever happened to him. And God just really brought it to my, my heart and my mind. I'm like, well, I think that God is at work in this story. And, and it's really, it's like, you guys, as you remain in relationship with God, things like that happen and they're not accidents. Like the whole thing of us dilly-dallying around the Corvette show. If we hadn't done that and hadn't stayed, and usually I'm rush, rush, I was like, let's take our time. Let's, let's shilly-shally a little bit and go around and and let's get my french fries, dang it, you know? It was like how God works is so amazing, but as we remain in him, things like that happen, and we get to be just delighted in how God is at work in our lives and bearing fruit, and now I get to experience even more fruit with this family and with these children that I connected with. Yes, God is awesome, and he'll do that for you as you follow him and remain in him. So do that this week and take time to just be with Jesus, and we'll talk about it next week. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much that you just delight in your children. Lord, I, we have 
um, young and old children gathered here together. And, and Lord, you delight in us and you have plans for us. And first of all, it's just that we spend time with you and be with you. And Lord, just doing that, you grow us and you help us to also bear fruit that will um, bless our world and, and show your love. So God, thank you that you don't expect anything from us than to just be with you. So Lord, I, I just pray that um, whatever we need to be reminded of, Lord, that we don't have to produce anything for you. We just have to be your children and that's it. And I just pray for everyone here, Lord, that they would be reminded how you love them. You are for them, God, and, and you just want them in their heart and that's it. Thank you for this week. Thank you, God, for our children. Thank you for Lucas, Olivia, and Andrew who are going to Bible camp this week at Covenant Pines. Oh, God, I pray that they would also just delight in you and, and be safe and have fun and make new friends and come closer to you. Lord, we pray for our friends that are traveling and are doing things this summer and be with them. Thank you for our church and for the food we're about to eat. Um, we love and praise you, Jesus. Amen.